Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planners Financial Services member FINRA SIPC, guides clients with empathy in discovering and reaching their financial goals and creates financial plans for clients so they can live their life by design. In these episodes, he relates his expert financial insights and discusses timely topics. Royal strives for excellence and has a passion for sharing his knowledge and supporting his community. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good afternoon, Royal. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing fantastic, my man. I know Excellent. that uh, we were chatting before the podcast just a wee bit, and, and uh, you said that we're going to be talking about perception versus reality, right? Kind of in this podcast, yeah. meaning we're looking back at 2020, and, and uh, you're going to kind of remind the audience of what maybe was thought to happen in 2020, and then kind of what the reality was, and, and carry that into 2021, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we, we really have to look at what happened in 2020 from an economic and market standpoint mm -hmm. to really understand where we're at in 2021 and kind of how we're positioning our clients uh, to look at the coming year and uh, really just kind of talk about the risks we see on the horizon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. This should be interesting. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, do you remember December 2019? Vaguely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was cold. <laughs> it was probably pretty cold. Probably pretty cold. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting. We were just finishing up a pretty phenomenal year in the markets in 2019. Yeah. A lot of the big investment banks were coming out with their uh, predictions for what the 2020 year would look like. Mm -hmm. You know, we were going into an election year. Um, usually th those are, are decent years for the market. Uh, not as good as the third year in a presidential cycle, but fourth year is usually fairly quiet. Not a lot happening on the legislative side as everyone's uh, campaigning, not getting much business done. We were really looking at probably seeing a little bit of a slowdown there just because of where um, earnings were, uh, where the price to equity ratio was falling there at the end of uh, 2019. So a lot of the investment banks were looking at pretty probably a pretty quiet 2020 maybe up a little bit, maybe down a little bit uh, for the year. So obviously we went into that year, you know, I think everybody kind of thought with that 2020 in view, we were all pretty optimistic at that point. Um, but it didn't take long for that optimism to, uh, mm -hmm. to change pretty dramatically. That's right. So what we saw there was with uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19, um, as kind of the, the effects of the pandemic were felt initially there in March, uh, we saw the markets crater, it, really the fastest decline we have ever really seen in the markets in the modern age. Uh -huh. uh, we saw in, within, within about a two to three week period, uh, about 15 trading days, the markets lo lose about a third of their value, which is a very scary proposition, yeah. uh, I think, for most market watchers. And I remember that time, Royal. I mean, there were, I mean, there were all sorts of opinions, right? I mean, that, that's that's what that boils down to. But when that happened, um, I heard a lot of this is not. I mean, we are not going to be recovering from this anytime soon. This is going to be long term years of recovery because of this event. That's absolutely correct. Every everybody had an opinion of what was going to happen, and I don't think many of those opinions were very optimistic. Mm -hmm. Some, some were, were hesitantly 
hey, we'll get through this. Others were like, well, this is the end of Western civilization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, a lot of mistakes, I think, were made there going into that first initial decline pretty dramatically. Um, you know, it, I've been a financial advisor here going on almost 20 years. And it's interesting when we start to have a bear market like that. Um, you know, my advice to clients really doesn't change. We've already built the allocations. We've set up the portfolios. We put those things in place to ride through those moments. And when we have a market like that, uh, and uh, another one I'll bring to mind is at the end of uh, 2018, we had a major uh, shock to the markets there in November and December as well. Uh, as a financial advisor, I can always kind of tell when we're getting close to a capitulation point or a point where everyone in the markets are, are beginning to give up. And that's, that's about the time where I start questioning myself is usually about the time where uh, I can kind of sense that the markets are about to start turning around. Um, because what happens is, is you know, you, you know everything, uh, you deal with this on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but the markets are so bad that emotionally you start to get overwhelmed by that, and that's where it starts to get dangerous. So after years of doing this, I've kind of uh, uh, gotten pretty tuned up to what, what I'm thinking and feeling there, and I could feel that as we were going into that uh, kind of spring break week in March where everything seemed to be falling apart. And I was like, okay, this is we're getting close to the bottom because this can't go down, mm-hmm. you know, to zero. That's just not a realistic thing that could happen. So yeah. uh, that big drop there, that's where I think a lot of people got uh, got hurt pretty bad, pulling out of the market, mm-hmm. saying, oh, can't lose anymore. I'll wait for it to come back. Luckily, we didn't have very many clients who were making many changes. We had really preached uh, and practiced staying diversified, staying invested, and that's exactly what, you know, the vast majority of our clients did. So we're very proud of that. Yeah. I mean, it, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, this is something you've spoken about on numerous podcasts before, and it's timing the market. I mean, you, you preach against it uh, quite often, and rightfully so. Like you said, if people got out at the bottom saying, I, I just don't want to lose any more money, and I'll wait till the market's doing better, that's timing the market, and it's it's always a bad time to get out at the very bottom because if it's going up, you're missing all that, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. The, and, and jumping out of the market is the easy part. You know, that's the part mm-hmm. that feels good because it, it's like running away from a tiger. A sigh of relief, yeah. Yep, you have yeah. a sigh of relief. When do you get back in the market? When you don't see the tiger anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, but everybody's like fearful of it's around the next tree. It's, you know, it's in the bushes. I, I don't know where it's at. So, yeah, they're again, they're going to be avoiding, uh, you know, having to take that leap of faith, and then they just miss out. See, you're, you've been teaching me stuff, Royal. I'm listening to you. <laughs> I, I that's a, it's amazing. It's amazing that you're learning. You Thank know, you. Your age. Uh, oh, oh, I'm kidding. I I can learn, but Royal, you're going to have to speak up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that really is, is the issue, is when do you get and how do you get back into the markets? Um, so what happened there in March is we had the government step in. Whenever we have a crisis like this, just like in 2008, mm-hmm. we had the government step in and basically start to backstop the economy. The government's really the only entity out there that can do it for the U.S. economy. They came out and through a series of legislation – Uh, 
uh, created enough stimulus to really put in a floor there and allow the economy to begin to recover. Uh, some of those were the PPP loans uh, that mm -hmm. went to small businesses. There was a, a certain stimulus packages for certain industries. There were stimulus checks sent directly to people to try to stimulate the economy, uh, rent and mortgage moratoriums. They really kind of pulled out all the stops to uh, stop the decline and then to, to allow the markets to begin to recover. One of the big things uh, that we saw there, though, was there was just a lot of adaptation uh, in the U.S. economy to begin to recover. Uh, a lot of big companies, you know, within a month or two, shifted entire operations to working from home. Mm -hmm. um, that's really, really incredible. I mean, just, just the amount of innovation that yep. happened around that was one of the things that kept the economy afloat because these businesses didn't necessarily have to shut down. They just shifted where their workers were housed. So, yep. you know, some, one of the exciting things that, that came out of this was some of this innovation and you know, what does the future of the office look like there? So we've really had, if we look at uh, post-March 2020, uh, a pretty dramatic swing up in the markets, really driven by some of these big technology companies uh, that benefited from this change in paradigm of working from home. You uh -huh. know, seeing some of these companies like, Net like Netflix, like Zoom, Microsoft, um, that really jumped into that space and kind of filled that void right there. They really drove the markets up, and we see a lot of the kind of tech sector there uh, really having one of the best years they've had in, in a number of years, being up, uh, you know, 50%, 60% in some names, some even much higher than that over a relatively short period of time. And that's really what pushed the markets up. If we look at what's driving performance in the S&P, it really is those mega cap names uh, that, that are driving the markets up, like, like the Amazons, mm -hmm. uh, the Netflix, the Apples, uh, Microsoft, those sorts of things. So that driver caused the markets to close up, if we're looking at the S&P 500, up about 16% uh, for the year. Um, really a very good year. And if we look back at those estimates of where the, the large investment banks were looking for the S&P to end the year, um, being up 16% was really one of the more positive outcomes they were predicting. A lot of people had it much lower than that. So we sit back here and we, we look at this and we say, well, the markets really didn't notice uh, the coronavirus or uh, COVID-19 at all other than in you know, the first part uh, or the last part of the first quarter and the second mm -hmm. quarter. So how do, we, how do we square that? How do we kind of make sense of that? And I think the number one way we have to try to make sense of all this is we created money and pushed it into the financial system. Hmm. With all the stimulus, with all the loans, with, with, with all the things the government was doing, they were really trying to stimulate the economy. And by doing so, you just create excess wealth. And a lot of that wealth ended up flowing into the stock market and pushing those numbers up. Now, are we starting to see some bubbles form? Possibly, uh, especially in, in some areas where it, it just might not make sense. You know, we don't do anything with uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or anything like that, but you, you start to see some wild swings there on those markets, mm. which are just driven by speculators 
um, who, who uh, are just trying to play or time that market, uh, which is, you know, extremely risky. Yeah. You know, we feel like that could be one of the areas where we start to see, uh, see some bubblish activity there. So let's kind of take a step back here and look at what we have coming up here in 2021. If we go back to those same investment banks and start taking a look at where they see the markets going, their predictions for 2021 are actually rosier than their predictions were for 2020. The, these large investment banks really see the S&P continuing to rise, you know, at, at really a double-digit rate uh, for 2021. Now, I think the only thing that's, or the, there's two things there that, that are really weighing on those predictions. Uh, number one is a continuation of stimulus. You know, we've got uh, the Biden administration um, and a Democratic Congress all pushing for, you know, fairly large stimulus to continue getting us out of this uh, COVID dip we have in the economy, separate from what we have in the stock market, but the, this economy that we've created that really is, you know, I think in, in worse shape than we realize. Um, you know, if you look at anybody who's in the travel, entertainment, or dining space, you know, they are struggling immensely, and that's, that's, a, that's a substantial portion of our economy. So uh, with, with that being said, we also have the vaccines. You know, we have vaccines rolling out. Um, I, I don't think anybody is thrilled with how quickly that has happened. I think everybody would like to see that get rolled out a little bit more quickly and, and efficiently. Hopefully that will happen over the next six months or so to where we can get back to some semblance of normal, whatever that new normal will look like. But I, I think there's, there's a number of things that are concerning to me as a financial advisor and a financial planner um, that we just need to be careful of. Mm-hmm. So what would those things be, Royal? I mean, what do we truly need to be concerned about? Well, number one, I think what we need to look at here is where interest rates are. Mm-hmm. Interest rates are, are down below 1%, you know, really across the board there. Um, for anything that's um, uh, U.S. Treasuries or, uh, you know, investment-grade corporate bonds, um, really those spreads have really tightened down. And so what we have heard from the Fed is they are really looking and I think working towards creating inflation in the economy. That's something that's going to be fairly hard to do um, based on where we're at, but it's something that they're basically telegraphing saying, we're not going to worry too much about inflation for this foreseeable future. But what happens when inflation shoots up uh, and what does that do to your bond holdings? So one thing we're spending a lot of time talking to our clients about is, what's in their bond uh, portfolios, how is that being managed, and is it time to start looking for some other assets that can provide stability, uh, but that, that can also be a hedge against inflation? Um, you know, some of those could be, you know, real estate. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about owning, um, you know, gold or silver as a hard asset. It's not something I'm recommending to everyone, but I think for some people it does make sense just to hold uh, a little bit exposure to, to metals if, if you think there is going to be some uh, inflation on the horizon. Uh-huh. Now, we still have a lot of excess capacity in the economy, but with all this stimulus, it has to go somewhere. Um, the other part of all this is we're seeing more and more talk of uh, a higher federal minimum wage. 
And while I think that's a good thing, especially looking at how low the federal minimum wage is, mm-hmm. um, that could be an inflationary factor there. So we're just being really careful with uh, our bond allocations to make sure they're um, being well monitored and you're not over-rotated in, um, into bonds more than you need to be from a risk tolerance standpoint. Yeah. I, I, I find it interesting that you brought up the national minimum wage because – um, I don't know if you knew this, but I've been you know, doing a little bit of research, and I found it actually quite shocking that um, there were more small businesses started in 2020 than any previous year ever. And so taking that into account, I mean, it was a, it was a tough year, but yet more businesses were started during that time. Now, I don't know how many shut down, you know, because we did lose quite a few, and maybe people just shifted to a different method of business or a different type of business. But as people are starting businesses, paying employees can be tough, right? So if that federal mm-hmm. minimum wage changes dramatically, which it sounds like it might, um, that might be tough on those small businesses that all just started up or, or the ones that will be starting in 2021. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely something to be looking at. I mean, you know, I think some of the, some of the proposals there are really somewhat ridiculous where you're, you're jumping the minimum wage up 80 or 90 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's really necessarily sustainable, but definitely looking at that, um, you know, and, and trying to factor in, you know, what's going to be best for the uh, kind of the stakeholders on that, both for the employers and the employees mm-hmm. to make sure that, uh, you know, we're not just wiping out a bunch of small businesses with two or three employees that yeah. it can't exist with a $15 uh, minimum wage like we see in some uh, metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's tough because yeah. when you're talking federal, you're not taking into account small towns, medium-sized towns, you know, metropolitan areas, you know, big cities. It's just a blanket, and everybody has to adjust. Well, that's that's difficult in, in different scenarios. You've got small towns that they're they, maybe they can't sustain, you know, having three or four, or, you know, two or three employees even, uh, when their mm-hmm. wages go up by 70 to 80 percent, if a small town is what's sustaining that small business. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's a big lever uh, to be moving. Um, you know, that, that that could have some negative effects to the uh, what we're seeing in inflation nationwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, kind of parallel to that is what we're seeing in the U.S. as far as partisanship, civil unrest. Uh, everything that happened uh, in the Capitol on January 6th, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something like that happening again at, on a larger scale, I think is a pretty big geopolitical risk. Because remember, one of the reasons why we have such low interest rates and strong dollar is because other nations are putting their uh, trust that we have a functioning government. Mm-hmm. And if there's talk of, you know, secession, uh, sedition, kind of all this things that that's kind of boiling up from the fringe. Um, that that's pretty concerning. That's pretty concerning. I mean, you know, I don't think if if you were making an investment somewhere and uh, uh, you you probably wouldn't want their that uh, uh, company's headquarters raided. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, by uh, rioters. So yeah, and, and you know, t- just something to consider there. Yeah, absolutely, and and couple that with the talk of defunding police departments. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yep. whether it's real or it's not real, I mean, you've got rumors 
and people who are willing to invest are going to be listening to rumors because they're going to take every angle they can. And that, that would play a big factor. Not only could your building possibly be raided, nobody come to help. <laughs> you know, that's a bad thing. Yep. So. Yep. Hmm. So I, I, I think we really need to start moving past, um, you know, this constant flood of information we're getting from the Internet. Yeah. Uh, our brains just weren't set up for this. You know, the amount of information you see on a daily basis, you know, would, would probably kill someone from the 17th century. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Mm. Um, All right, anything else know, our ability, about? Uh, Well, I think the other, uh, the other major thing is, uh, you know, from an international standpoint, China has really taken this um, as an opportunity to move into really a leadership position uh, in the world. And they've been laying the groundwork for that for the last uh, probably two decades. Mm -hmm. But I think with the COVID crisis and what we've seen happen in the U.S. here, they really see an, an opportunity here as, you know, the U.S. has struggled with COVID and the political transitions uh, to really take a, a major step up there. So we don't know what they're going to be doing uh, internationally. So that's always very concerning. Um, plus, we still have Russia and North Korea out there as other political actors, um, along with with Iran, that could could create a, a an international conflict of some kind that, mm -hmm. once again, could throw our uh, economy into uh, uh, some turmoil. Yeah, yeah, lot to consider, Royal. So, what we're doing for our clients is going back over our investment thesis looking at what are you holding, uh, how are you diversified, are you taking too much risk in any one portion of the market, um, are you over-allocated to stocks, are you over-allocated to bonds, and really pulling everything back to what are your goals for your life. Because we can try to maximize return for everybody, mm -hmm. but if it doesn't fit what you're trying to do uh, with your time here on this earth, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter. So, we're really having that conversation with all of our clients as we head into this year uh, and really preparing them for what we see as a volatile three to five years ahead of us, just because of all the stimulus that we've created, how much we've inflated the stock market. It's going to take some time to work through that uh, and probably some, um, some volatility on the way of working our way through all this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, it, it kind of, it sounds like you're echoing something that you've said many times before is we make a plan and we stick to the plan. I mean, that's what you plan for. That's right. That's right. Not, not to say that we're, we're, uh, we, we carve this into stone and you oh, can't yeah. make a change, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, we just want to be, uh, careful when we, when we make a change that we have all the facts that we mm -hmm. can have available before we recommend that to our clients. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, Royal, anything else we need to cover today? No, that was really it. It was really just kind of a, an overview of, uh, you know, where we were last year, uh, what we're seeing in, uh, in the near future, and then how we're preparing our clients for kind of the midterm of the next three to five years as, uh, as we get there. I think with all the stimulus this year, 2021, hopefully will be a, a fair, fair amount calmer than 2020 was, but... Uh, we'll see what happens. We just take it day to day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Royal, I get the pleasure every couple of weeks of your thought leadership, and I, I truly do appreciate it. Um, those that are listening, if they're interested in hearing more from you uh, on a more consistent basis, how do they get some more information from you? Besides subscribing to the podcast, which I'll talk about at the very end of the show, but is there something else they can get from you? Yeah, absolutely. Go to our website at opfa.com. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter there. And then also on our blog, we publish our weekly market commentary, uh, which is just kind of an overview of what happened the previous week, as well as a look forward to seeing and kind of what things are coming up over the next uh, five trading days. Perfect. Yeah, that, that'll be great information. Um, thank you for putting that information out there for us, Royal. Absolutely. All right. Again, Royal, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Uh, as do I. As do I. All right. And the last thank you, of course, goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not meant to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.